The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. I am delighted to be joined by the chair of Citigroup. He's John Dugan. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. It seems like the world is fractured geopolitics, economically. It's very difficult for leaders to almost get on the same page, get along and find a solution. After the horrific weekend that we've had and the five days of fighting, what does all of this mean for a big global bank like Citigroup? Well, first of all, it means we focus most on our people in the ground in Israel, this senseless act of violence by the terrorists. Um, and our hearts go out to our people and we stand by our people. Thankfully, they're all safe right now. Um, but that is our biggest, most important focus. And of course, we're monitoring and continuing to serve our clients, but it's our people on the ground that are first and foremost. Could it change, actually, the, the world economy as we see this potentially escalating? Well, we certainly hope not. We're watching it closely, and of course, it's already affected oil prices and commodity prices. <clears throat> but I think we're all just going to have to see how much this expands or not over time. Um, we are in the ground in the region and uh, other places in the world, and so far it is pretty contained to where, it is, where the conflict has been. And uh, that's certainly what we hope continues. John, when you look at what your CEO has been putting in place, the restructuring, the kind of the, the big changes yes. that Citigroup is, is going through, where do you end up in one, two years in terms of the bank? So this is something that uh, Jane has been very thoughtful about and decisive since her very first time on the job. We had our investor day very soon after she started and really laid out this vision for simplifying the bank. It had already been on a path like that, but to really much more simplify the bank and to do, starting out with divestitures of our non-U.S. consumer businesses, which we had all, all over the world, particularly in Asia, and that's well along now. And then secondly, in spending a good bit of time transforming our risk and controls and the operations and technology, supporting them, mm -hmm. um, and really getting that underway. And this is the, what I would describe as the third leg of that stool of change to simplify the company, and it follows from the other two. So for example, by getting rid of and having divesting all these non-US consumer businesses, we don't need the same significant geographic managerial layers that otherwise were there, so it's getting rid of those. Um, and likewise, bringing the some core businesses closer to Jane. So in two years, and I'm getting, I am getting to the answer to your question, um, in a couple of years, I think we believe it'll be a much simpler bank. Right. Um, our expenses will go down, our revenues will go up as a result of being simpler, for, simpler. And I think you'll really, despite this great investment in what we're doing in the transformation, those costs will begin starting to come down at is the end a, of next year. Is there a little bit of a bumpy road? I know you've also, for example, put, put you know sold a, a big chunk of uh, China 
China unit to HSBC. Does that impact your ability to service clients in, no. in the shorter term? No, not at all. Um, in fact, that's a very smooth transition that we're going through. And with these, we've had now coming on nine closings of non-U.S. consumer businesses. I'm pleased to say those have all gone very smoothly. Um, and we've gotten good premiums for the ones that have closed. And then in some other cases, we've had to do, engage in wind downs of the business. China's one of them. But this marks the ability to smoothly sell a chunk of the business. So I'd say all of that's going very well. And our business that remains behind, which is our core institutional business that we have all over the world, that's operating very smoothly. And this is not, in fact, it's making it easier uh, rather than more difficult. Because of the changes in restructuring, do you have a final number of job cuts? No, no, we don't. I think uh, one of the interesting things about Jane is she's quite decisive about the direction she wants to go, but she's also very specific about doing it in the right sequence. Mm -hmm. This is not about hitting a number. It's about making sure we get the roles right to simplify the company, to, to get the most efficient business that we can get out of this. Those numbers will come over time, but they're gonna, they're, we're not targeting a particular number at this time. So because of changing U.S. regulation, Basel, again, what are some of the changes that, that you'll have to go through? Well, the most significant thing with Basel and what's going on in the United St States is a proposal to significantly increase capital requirements for the largest banks that I will say somewhat bizarrely is a response to problems that happened with regional banks in March. Mm -hmm. um, we believe that it is an unwarranted proposed increase, and not only because it causes us to have to hold more capital, but we believe it really will have a material impact on the amount of lending that U.S. companies can do generally, which is not a good thing when the economy is in more or less a precarious position, even though remarkably resilient. And it also pushes more activity, lending, and financial intermediation out of the banking system and into non-banks. And we don't think that's a good thing. We don't think it's a necessary thing. Uh, our banks, our largest banks, including Citi, are very strong from a safety and soundness perspective in terms of capital levels, liquidity levels. And this is just unwarranted to have this huge excess amount of capital. John, what are Citigroup's own relationships with regulators, um, of course, given what's happened uh, a couple of years ago with some of the consent orders? Uh, I, you know, look, uh, I think we spend a lot of time trying to maintain a very constructive relationship with our regulators. Um, and I think, uh, I can't put words into, into their mouths, but I think they believe we are doing our utmost <laughs> to comply with the rules and the consent orders that we're operating under. <laughs> But ultimately, what they want to see and what we must deliver are results, execution results. We believe we are, and people will see that over time, but that's really what the core of the relationship is about. You see a lot of volatile markets. You see the cost of credit going up. There's worries about financial conditions getting even tighter. Is there anything that you see as odd in terms of market behavior right now or something that you worry about? Um, you know, from our position, I think we feel pretty good about our risk profile and the amount of capital and liquidity we have on the one hand, and the risks that we choose to take, which are 
really pretty prudent at this point. We're not heavily exposed to the commercial real estate business. We did not have uh, interest rate sensitivity that caused us to lose a lot of money when rates went up significantly. So I think we as a bank are positioned really quite well. But of course, we're always watching markets. We see what's going on in the 10-year treasury going up to at significant levels. And we watch our credit card portfolio, which is enormous for signs of what will happen to the consumer. We're seeing some cracks in the spending levels and yet still very robust spending levels. Uh, so uh, I wouldn't say there's anything extraordinary at the moment, but we of course are watching. John, thank you so much for your time today. That was of course John Dugan, the chair of Citigroup. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CutterEconomicForum.com.